Hey everybody, this is Petey from Spinarack, and today I wanted to do a, another video on the X-Men, but this time I wanted to delve a little deeper into the origin of the X-Men. And then, since I probably can't do all of their origins in one video, I'll try to space out and do the origin of the X-Men separately, right? So, um, let me, while I'm doing this, Basically, as the present day now, the creators of the X-Men are kind of of two different minds. They're both gone. Both Jack Kirby and Stanley are gone. And um, Stanley talks about the X-Men being the you know something that he came up with, and he got uh, Jack Kirby to work on with him. Well, he says it in. This book, what else I got? It says it in his um, memoirs here. Um, Kirby stuff. I just have some interviews online where he talks about it. But Stanley talks about creating a book of mutants called The Mutants, and his editor not um, liking the uh, the name. So then he said, since they got an extra power. Of called the X-Men, and um, Martin Goodman bought it. On the other side, you can look at some, I uh, guess, those um, Kirby historians where they kind of just say that um, Kirby came up with everything. Kirby um, came to Stan with some new ideas, and that being the X-Men, and... Um, you know, brought it to Stan and Martin, and then of course, um, he said oh, he came up with all of that stuff in his basement, right? I think that's in a 1987 interview, which uh, you can see on the Kirby Museum. I guess I have the link for that lower. But everything has its inspiration, right? So um, <laughs> um, it's documented in a couple places in. Um, was like the comic book resources at uh, CBR. Um, they talk about that the X-Men was kind of um, a little bit inspired by this article that was in Mechanics Illustrated. I think that's what it was called. And it's, um, they had this called How Nuclear Radiation Can Change Our Race. And they show some evil mutants and they show some friends. And in this article, they kind of say homo superior, which is what Stan coined had a magneto coin old stanley had an xavier and magneto coin in this book um homo superior but it's an earlier turn and this thing is written by otto binder and um the drawings are from from um kurt schaffenberg so you look at this and they say i think in cbr they kind of pulled it back saying that the the um this might have been the influence, but at the same time, there are probably other influences, and they were, but at the same time, if you look at these aliens, these aliens look a lot like the, the top, this outfit that the X-Men have. It's kind of similar to these evil, the faux mutants, so this homo superior, right? But they all talk about, in this article, talk about this race that are, that's affected by, you know, the mutation of the radiation, this radiation would now cause these, you know, people, these mutants to form 
and they would be more powerful, smarter. And it usually has something about mental ability, um, intelligence, and you know, being able to walk through walls, stuff like that, and these things. But it's not just this article done by these great, you know, creators of that worked on Superman and Otto Binder, of course, worked on Captain Marvel. There's other things that came up that came from this thing, which would be um, this book called The Children of the Atom. And this is by Wilmar Shiras. And um, this book, you can see, there's a couple of places online you can read this book. Now, this book here really has a lot of influence on the X-Men because it's a teacher who is actually, no, he's a psychologist who goes through, but his name is Peter Wells. And he goes through the school and he, you know, working with these students that have, that are very, you know, they're well-read, they're very much advanced, and they're children of people that have gone through some sort of nuclear thing, where it's very similar to how the X-Men, the children of the atom, that these older X-Men were children of people that had either worked in sort of a nuclear atomic age or somehow it went around it. That was ultimately the idea, like Sunfire and obviously Beast, I think his father, they never really hinted what the Worthingtons did, but that idea that the X-Men were children who, parents who worked in sort of this, um, this atomic age and that radiation led to the mutation. Right, so X-Men we know now is just that you're just born with it. But Stan is really going for the idea that's in these articles, these books, these articles, these early 50s things. And if you read these stories, the dissension in these stories are very evident. That the idea that there's even people worrying about this school of gifted children that what could happen with these guys and what they're doing, this dissension, this worry, everything that we see in these early Marvels, especially in the Marvel, in the in the X-Men is in this book. What other books are there? There's some, a book called Odd John by Olaf Stapledon. And this is a character, this is where the term homo superior comes from. I think this is one of the earliest where we've heard the word of this character called Odd John, who um, actually is like, um, I guess, who is he? He'd be similar to, but um, this is someone with like a strong mind and this sort of next stage of, um, you know, evolution. They also have a book called Mutant, which had, I think, had a few mutant stories. And I think the other major thing that was a, uh, um a book called slan which is um i think it's samuel land or something like that but um this thing called slan which would be the sort of the term for the mutants but the idea of this person this character who actually creates his own mutants and if you read the x-men this i don't have it in this volume but then from 10 to 11 to 20 the magneto story that they do Magneto is trying to create his music, mutant, own mutants using um, humans, like using humans as his template. And in this story, he actually creates his own mutates. So you can see the effects of these 50 stories being utilized in these 60s, the next generation 
um, comics where obviously the mutation idea had hit and uh, obviously Stan and Kirby were both um, voracious readers and that leads you to being something you can utilize for your comic books. You can see through these sort of books, they kind of we this stuff is, oh, I can't even say it. They actually, you know, appropriated a lot of this stuff to utilize in there. The whole people worrying, like the stuff like um, Bolivar Trask, all that stuff is in here. And but to say that at the same time, it's not just in there, it's in the earlier works from Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Like most would say, well, um, I think, what was it? There's a book, comic book, which Kirby did, which is Black Cat, oh, Black Cat Mystic from the Harvey comics, where they introduce a character. They don't say mutant in this story, but it's clearly someone of advanced intelligence and power. And this character who actually something more than human right and they can see that he advanced his head is a lot larger so it's a lot of things that you see in that article that's from before kirby so you're saying well this is kind of the first mutant story so this is kind of before the x-men and before stan but at the same time in the 50s stan bought um this um hold on let me go back because i have all of this sort of cataloged they have amazing detective cases and they have their story which is the stan story which is the weird woman now this is possibly not a story that stan wrote but it's a story stan edited and bought from another writer because usually if stan wrote something he would sign his name to it but as editor he would have bought the script and sort of um you know high you know hired an artist to draw it so you have and i think this one was Sinat. Sinat did this so it's uh but this is obviously from a script this weird woman and she's a person who can walk through walls and there's this a mutant a creature creature that is different from others of its kind having special characteristics or powers right and then they had another story called what was it um saw a demon right and this character is like it's like a demon but at the same time he said you see i must enlighten you in ancient day there were pits emanating rays you would call them uranium pits giving off active radiation this radiation caused what are now thinking of as mutants i am one of them and my powers are unlimited so you got two stories that stan probably bought before this black cat mystic that Kirby did. And then, but then at Marvel, you have another story that was possibly Stan, his brother, and um, another Joe Sinnott story, The Mutants and Me, where they talk about, about mutants and superior power, don't introduce homo superior yet, but then someone finds out that he's a mutant in this story. And then you have Kirby, who comes back to Marvel and he takes over the Yellow Claw and Yellow Claw is utilizing these mutants, right? And um, so that's another early story, this one by Kirby. He says um, these mutants in their brain, they do stuff that's similar to, um, what's that thing? It's a movie that they, 
we see in Doctor Strange, all those crazy effects, right? And them being able to teleport. But it also plays to, I think, what's in um, in um, Ah John of a person who is enlightened and then he's trying to find his own kind. Which Stan did a couple of these with um, Steve Ditko, man with an atomic brain. And um, you see a person who, and this is where Stan sort of goes into what you see in the in the Children of the Atom, right? In the book, The Children of the Atom, see that this guy's parents was around a nuclear explosion and then his kid, that sort of, um, that radiation passes on to the kid. The kid has powers and he's able to do things with his mind, right? And then ultimately he goes off and he finds his own people and we thought he was the only one and they get some spiritual enlightenment. Then there's a Stan, Larry Liebler, Tales of Suspense and Kirby's story, Man in a Beehive. And he says he's a mutant and he's able to shrink things with his mind. And then we have Tad Carter, right? Where Tad Carter has another where Stan does the, you know, Brad Carter was atomic scientist, and then the son took on the, the had that sort of radiation on his body, not enough to harm him, but then he would become his son would come mutant, right? And Tad would connect with a, a higher being, which tells him about other mutants, and then he goes off to him. And that's we don't that's the last we see of Tad Carter until the hidden years. Right? So yeah, so we have all of those precursors to the X-Men right before the X-Men come out, right? Now, I want to do a separate video on um, on uh, the actual origins. But um, with that said, the thing of creation, which I think people talk about a lot, um, I guess we have to talk about who created what type of stuff, right? So I went to Heritage Auctions and they have a lot of original art pages, right? So most people would say the logic, just like they go on the logic of, hey, if Stan Lee signed his name to it, that usually meant he wrote it himself. If he didn't, then usually that means an editor, like he was the editor on the book and he bought the title. Now the X-Men is obviously a title that Stan signed his name to, but what we, the other legend that we have is that when Kirby wrote um, descriptions on the um, on the original artwork, that meant that he wrote the story, right? That's the going legend that people have. But we go to these early Marvel issues. There's almost for the first, I think it's eight to ten. There's only Stan's handwriting on these books, right? And I, I have these up here. You can look at these and some might say maybe it was cut off. But as you go along and look at these these um, things, and this is X-Men number one here, as you get through it, you don't see any sort of scribble outside of stands. And this is all from issue one. At least one of them would have something, but it's still only stands kind of writing here around here because we can tell you'll see the difference in the handwriting once we get to it but this is all from the first issue and 
this is oh and here we go see as we looked at the Kurt Chapman like you see um, Professor X's head it just looks a lot no, larger than than it normally does it kind of went down to normal size later right so this is all issue one and then issue two which is one of my favorites it's another one where you only see Stan sort of writing on this stuff and um his description some of the stuff to change and, um right so yeah so you have this so the, and then you have this page here which is Stan coming up with a name for Scarlet Witch and this is in Stan's handwriting you can see it and he has Miss Mystery, Miss Witch, Jinx, a Lady Witch, Evil Eye, Witch Woman, Miss Witch, Witch Lady. I'm not sure what that other one is, but all right. And then the names of the other characters, right? So as we go along, see, does that one look like it has some white out? Maybe, right? It's not till we get to this is eight, yeah, eight. I think, I think I can see maybe here. So we get to issue ten, right? In ten, we can clearly see some Kirby handwriting, right? Some descriptions of what's going on in the panels, right? And same with the end of that splash page. I don't usually see that, but there's some description here. And here, then, still, this is the issue 11. We start seeing some descriptions here. So most of the time, the description isn't just to mean that the artist did all the work. Sometimes it could just mean here, I'm describing what's in the panel so you don't get lost. But here, you see a lot of description. So either the origin could be all Kirby's, could be something they talked about. It's going to, be, going to be debated all the time. But if you can go by the legend that Kirby did some um, description up top, that means that he did it all. But when you get to, I think it's what is issue 14, this gets to the mutant menace. Everything that you see in those books are really playing out in this story, right? But uh, still, I have to read them more in depth because I think I've only gotten through <clears throat> Children of the Atom because that was the closest. But maybe as I go, as you delve deeper into the stuff, you might find some of the villains. Um, I think you find them in, uh, I'm not sure if it's in, um, in Ajahn that has Infant Terrible. So you can see the inspiration from these things are kind of weeding their way into the Marvel Universe, right? So... I think that's enough, but you see in the dark, the Sentinel, a lot of description from Kirby here. A lot here. Way different from the first issues. Right? And here is the page where Magneto is going to become, you know, create mutants from um, the, what is it, the Worthington's brain energy. Right? So, oh, and then lastly, there's also another Magneto. Right, because they introduce a Magneto in the Atlas stage, and this would be probably done by Larry Liebler, Stan Lee, plot Larry Liebler, 
um, his script. And then Kirby, um, Kirby um, doing artwork. Now, not to say he didn't add stuff, but the naming of Magneto was probably, you know, definitely a stand thing. And then the script for this was probably all Larry, but Kirby Ad would add stuff to these things on his own too. So you had the Magneto thing, something before the X-Men and other things. So that would be my last bit. No, one of my last bits. But to end this off, there's also the origins of the X-Men, which I think thought it started in X-Men issue 36. And if you read, I have an article by, um, Roy Thomas, because I've got shown you pictures of um, shown you pictures of <clears throat> X Men Children of the Atom, right? This is where Joe Casey did his retcon of the X Men origins. He publicly said that they were boring, not kind of worthy of the, the X Men origins that we've seen in the past. So. At the same time, Roy Thomas was not happy. He said, hey, we didn't know. <laughs> he didn't say this exactly, but he said, we didn't reinvent the light bulb here. But at the same time, to just kind of write them off, that's really not, uh, not, not something he would have done. I think that's what he said. It. But if you read The Children of Adam, which is a book that we're going to get into that a little bit later in another video, because I got to get to the hidden years. I have to get through some of the X-Men in the middle before we get to all the other stuff, the real X-Men that people really like. <clears throat> we got to deal with the originals a little longer. If you read The Children of the Atom, it takes from the book The Children of the Atom, where the X-Men are all in one school. In the comic, they're all over the place. And um, Xavier goes out to where they're at to either save these the original x-men or you know help them out to you know join the team right so with that said if you read this the free children of adam is online i'm going to give you a link to a free website where you can read these stories and you can see it for yourself and inform inform me before i get a chance to finish reading them oh wow there's another thing that was in there children of the atom the book like Joe Casey used that whole framework outside of adding Magneto and whatnot. He had that whole framework of Xavier going to a school and him being like a psychologist talking to all of the mutants that are the, all the original X-Men that are all in the school outside of Jean, who um, obviously meets the X-Men when she appears in the first issue. But Chris Claremont hinted that, um, Xavier was talk, helping Jean through the death of a friend that she took on um, telepathically, which kind of scarred her, right? So, but if you read that book, it's like um, Joe Casey said, hey, the X-Men origins aren't enough like it, but he's kind of trying to make it a movie. And if you read the Children of Adam book, that's more like the movie version of the X, original X-Men rather than the death. The origins of all stories in and of themselves. The, the, I think it's, he did, Ray Thomas did four stories, but there were over multiple episodes of those four stories, giving you the origins of all the X-Men before Jean got there, because Jean shows up on the first day, right? And she talks about knowing that she has some sort of power, right? So there you we go. We're giving you 
the inspiration for the X-Men, the four to five possible sources from it. The mutant that carries was big in the 50s, but becoming something probably it was probably it was actually passe in the 60s, why it wasn't as big as it became later, right? Picking up on it in the 70s and drawing for the, you know, people feared and hated and the, you know, the kids kind of picking up on it when, you know, the book turned monthly with the burn and Claremont and burn run. So, you know, that's just a little bit of inspiration for, for how the X-Men, not just inspiration, just yanking tons of stuff from these books and putting it into the X-Men, right? Almost designed. So I can't, didn't want to do it and just say auto binder and the same, the Superman team or the, or the Captain Marvel team created the X-Men. There's a lot of other things that very much inspired the X-Men and the type of books that they were doing, right? And stuff that you could see that kind of played out later, the Days of Future Past, the idea of Senator Kelly, death, and that sort of leading to the, um, leading to the, the actual terrible future. The story of, um, I think it's a minister in the Children of Adam. So I feel like maybe Chris Claremont was reading it, reading Children of Adam at the same time. And that kind of inspired um, God Love Man's Kills. But it's interesting to read that. And you can see sort of the influence. And then you can also see how far, you know, the X-Men has taken this, these ideas, which is something that kind of people moved on by after that. It feels like they were because it wasn't like something everyone jumped to doing mutant stories, right? But as far as who did what, whether Stan or Jack, at the same time, we got to go with what the two, two biggest um, historians said, what Roy Thomas said and says, and what Mark Evaner used to say, that they were collaborators. They worked together, and some did more, some did less, depending on which period. But at the same time, we had to just say they're collaborators, right? So that's the end of this part. More X-Men stuff to come. Spinarak out. <laughs>